mean, um, yeah, I grew up a uh, Baptist and, uh, it was like, uh, they call themselves like fundamental, um, Baptists. It's like an extreme version of being like Southern Baptist. And so like women cannot wear, uh, pants. They cannot like, you cannot go to like concerts or listen to like what they consider worldly music. Yep. Um, and you just had to like separate yourself from the world completely. You had to like look different than the world just because they didn't want you to, they didn't want people to think that you were of the world. It was, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's extreme. It is. It is. But that was Baptist though. Yeah. I, you know, I, I haven't heard that before, so I don't know. I think well, there's, there's probably different types of, you know, Baptists. There's definitely different types of Baptists. Like there's Southern Baptist. There's, I yeah. think just Baptist. Like Maybe Southern, that's what I'm used to. Southern Baptist is like more, um, like, I don't know. It's like more gospel. Yeah. Sense. That's what I picture is like, you know, people with the long drapes yeah. things and, you know, singing and yeah. happy and standing up, you know, in church. Yeah. It's yeah. like, uh, like if you go to African American church, yeah. it's like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> people are like yelling and like, mm-hmm. praise God, like praise Jesus. Like, yeah. I've always wanted to go to one. I don't know why. <laughs> to I an African American yeah, church? Yeah. I think it would be wild. A Baptist one because yeah. I don't know if it's just, you know, what we see portrayed on the movies, but they just look fun. Mm. Yeah, and I, I'm a believer in God. I don't go to church all the time. I, I don't like to say that I'm religious, um, but I, I personally believe in God. Um, so so, so what what kind of church do you go to when you do go to church? Um, so I grew up Catholic. So when I go to church, it's a Catholic church. But honestly, there's been another church um, here in my area that uh, I live in DeWitt. So oh, okay. there's a non-denominational church and stuff, I think. For me, it's just about hearing the word and like that. That's what I want, you know. Right. Um, it's nothing that I've actually really touched on. So it's kind of funny when I get asked, you know, like, well, did you grow up being? And it's like, but I think for a lot of Latinos, like uh, especially in Mexico, predominantly most are going to be Catholic. Yeah. So my, my parents are very involved in the church. Yeah, yep. I, I'm sure. Uh, are they from Mexico? Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. from Mexico. They're from Oaxaca. Um, it's a state in southern Mexico on almost on the coast. Right. Like. So Mexico kind of looks like a hook. That's what I like to describe it as. Um, so it's like a, on the butt part <laughs> of the hook. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, but they actually have like a big um, African Mexican like descent population, um, which not a lot of people know about that. And I, th- I don't think that's like something that's taught in why, books. Why is that? Um, like why there is? Yeah. Why um, is there a huge descent population? So they just immigrated over there. Um, I am going to be honest and I don't really know like the history behind it. Um, but there, there's quite a big like population. I mean, they look African American, but they'll speak to you in Spanish, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. And there, a lot of them will wear like the traditional clothing that Mexicans wear and especially for the state of Oaxaca. So I, I think it's cool. I think it's just cool how like history kind of takes, you know, you on um these different whirlwinds that you don't really expect so and it brings people together yeah yeah absolutely and uh his like the hispanic culture is one of the most accepting cultures uh as far as like bringing other people in yeah yeah that's what i've noticed yeah i agree because i'm like an outsider um like i told you i'm hispanic mm-hmm. um however i grew up pretty much just being uh caucasian yeah. <laughs> like i i was adopted into a white home like no uh, like hispanic heritage at all okay and then after I found my my family, um, they were extremely accepting. They brought me in. They just like like I was always part of the family. Like and they're they're just so accepting of anybody and everybody. Yeah. And it's crazy, right? Because sometimes I don't think 
at least not when I was growing up, I didn't really think about identity or like self-awareness. Who am I? You know, those, those type of questions until you go through, through different things in life. And for me, um, recently, obviously with what I do, I'm a real estate agent, but, um, I think for me and why I love what I do is because I feel like I'm helping people. Um, and the fact that I can do it in both English and Spanish. And I think that obviously is a big tie to like how I grew up. I grew up with, um, I was a first generation Mexican American. My parents came, you know, as immigrants, they came illegally over 30 years ago now. Um, wow. and they've, they've had to adapt to, you know, a whole different country, which, you know, you hear about it all the time, but like when you see it and you see the, the obstacles that your parents faced, it's almost like, for me, I feel like I am getting like a do over through the clients that I have because a lot of them have similar obstacles or did before or they are just clueless. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm helping people that also don't um, have um, the the documents to back them, you know, for them to be here. Legally. Right. I never even thought about that. Yep. What what kind of things did your your parents face uh, coming over here that uh. you witnessed? Um, that I witnessed, oh, like, uh, discrimination for sure. Um, but, and then, you know, sometimes it wasn't so blunt, not like, you know, how you picture it. Like you didn't always have to be like necessarily like rude people or like, you know, Karen type of things, which we, which I've seen that. Um, but it's more of like people kind of being surprised too. Like when my parents can speak English and they expect them not to be able to, um, because they have, um, thick accents. Um, my dad has definitely been forced more to learn it because of the type of work he does. He works in auto, auto manufacturing. Mm. Um, and my mom more so has been like the caretaker for, for us, for me and my siblings. So she kind of, she has a thicker accent and stuff. And I feel like they never felt accepted by society because of that, you know, because they're looked at like, okay, you don't know English, even though you have an accent, but, but you can understand them. Like they have full blown conversations with people and, I just think because they've had those experiences that they don't feel accepted, um, they it, they limit themselves because of that, you know, because mm. they feel self-conscious. Like, well, right. this person's not going to understand me. Or or even in work-life experiences where they feel like they might not get another job. Like, a, like I've always told my dad, like, you know, to push him to, because he's had the experience to go into supervisor-type, you know, positions, but he doesn't feel like people would take him serious because he has an accent. So right. it, it's crazy. You know, how Do you know what's so funny about that is people with accents, like they look at it as like a de, like dehabilitating thing. Like I had a girl who was from Germany. She was um, a news anchor or a news reporter for uh, WILX or something like that. I can't remember what now. Maybe it was WLNS. I don't remember. Anyways, she came on to tell her story and she had a, an accent. And yeah, it was, I love, I'm like, I love the accent. Yeah. She's like, I hate the accent. What like, is her name, actually? Uh, Louisa. Oh, okay. Uh, I think you're going to say Araceli. No. I've seen her do her reports, but okay. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, no, it was Louisa. And I think she has gone back to Germany since. Um, but yeah, they look like people with accents in the United States look at it as like a dehabilitating thing because they stand out from everybody else and they don't, they're not taken serious. Yeah. They, people look at them like, oh, well, you're not one of us. And so I, I understand that. Yeah. I, or, you know, or a negative thing. Um, but, and it's funny because a lot of times that will come from people like them themselves who have the accent. Like, nobody <laughs> else is saying that. But again, I don't know. Is that like what society has done, you know, to. Well, I, I also think it has something to do with like where you are ge geographically too. Cause like I grew up in uh, West Palm beach till I was nine and where I grew up, uh, there was a large Hispanic uh, population. Mm -hmm. So like, seeing like hispanic people all the time yeah. being around them like you don't necessarily think about it yeah. 
And whereas like Lansing, Michigan, like what's, what are we predominantly, mm-hmm. you know, like there's probably not a large, I mean, there is a large like Latino community, yeah, but it's not as large as like other communities. Right. Yeah. No, I think more so in the recent years, I don't know about you, but I, obviously I have noticed a big Latino population. I want to say about 90%. Um, and maybe that's being kind of reserved, but like of the clientele that I have is either Latino or native Spanish speakers. Wow. Yep. So I'm seeing this influx of a lot of Cubans, um, which I love diversity, you know, cause Latinos, uh, we represent so much more. And if you want to break it down really like Hispanic heritage, which, you know, kind of brings us to, to why we're here, but, um, it, we, we're just so many more cultures uh, than Mexico. And I love learning about that. I'm a foodie. So anything <laughs> that I can do to learn about, you know, other cultures. Other Are you food. truly Mexican if you're not a foodie? Uh, no, no, <laughs> you, you, no. I think that should be written somewhere, you know, in bylaws or something. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, no. I would say that. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but if you ever have the chance to go to Oaxaca, like I truly recommend it to everybody. And I, I don't think... That is from a bias standpoint. I just think like gastronomy, like the food, it's so rich in culture just in general. Um, like, I mean, there, there's pyramids and stuff there that like you you need to actually be there to experience it. And if you want to go anywhere in Mexico where you want to experience and, you know, like true culture, like that is somewhere where I would recommend. How are they ex- like, I mean, I know that you said that they're accepting of other people, but like if tourists were to go down there, mm-hmm. what is what is how are they perceived by the people that live there? Um, they're well, like all oh, these stupid Americans. No, no, <laughs> I think they're used to it. I mean, they, they help the economy there. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big part of their economy. Um, I think it's almost normal. And it's funny because my godmother, she was obviously from Oaxaca um, and she's a doctor there and she ended up marrying a, <laughs> uh, a white guy. Um, and he's, he's like from Louisiana, I believe. Um, but it's just funny cause he, was an English teacher there. So he was, Uh. he was there teaching English and that's how they met because she, she was one of his students. (laughs) Um, but obviously that was after, you know, they, they were out of that, what do I call (laughs) that situation? Yeah. That that whole situation, we'll call it that. Um, so yeah, it's just funny. No, but he's, he's, he lives there now. Oh wow. Yeah. That was my point of it's cause he lives there now. And I mean, they had a child together. Um, they're no longer together, but they, (laughs) they get along great. They travel and stuff. So, um, Yeah. My point is that Americans are very accepted, not even just Americans. I see, I've seen a lot of Asians um, and a lot of Indians there, wow. too. Yep. Wow. Yep. Now, what made you want to put together this 517 uh, Hispanic Heritage Weekend? Um, so I want to shout out Hezekiah Trevino and Mikey Austin because they're the main organizers uh, of it. Um, they have they were kind of the ones that pulled people and they wanted to be very strategic about who was a part of the committee. Um, obviously for me, they knew my background and I think that why is, that was why they wanted me to, you know, kind of assist them in bringing the authentic part of it. Right. Cause, um, we have a big population here that is Mexican, you know, but there, do you know what the population is? Like how many people? No, I don't, you know, oh. I, you know, I was trying to look up like census information. So I will have to get back to you on that because I am very curious too. I'll see if I can look it up. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. And they pulled us in, you know, the different people in different industries for me. Obviously, I, I see a lot of the community because I'm, I'm active in it. Um, but the reason they wanted to do something is uh, because there's just nothing that celebrates 
the Hispanic culture. So when, and I don't, I don't think that's another thing that I want to educate people on too, is like the difference between Hispanic and Latino, you know, Latino, you're talking about all the Latin countries. Um, but Hispanic is anything, you know, with Hispanic, um, like basically anywhere that speaks Spanish. Mm. Think of a country that speaks Spanish that's considered as bad. Like Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So when we break it down, yeah, there was nothing that celebrates them here in the Lansing area. You know, when you think of Michigan, the capital should have something like that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. You have to go to Grand Rapids. We have to go to Detroit. Where well, Grand Rapids has a big one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they're huge. Um, My mom, because she has her own business. Um, She is a vendor at these types of events. So like, that's how I find out about it. Like, um, Grand Rapids has the, what is it called? The, I want to say it's the Hispanic Festival of Grand Rapids, um, but it's held right in their downtown area. And it's so well organized because you see, it's a beautiful thing to see Latinos come together. I mean, you see like Cubans, they, you know, they're, they're so proud porting their, you know, the Cuban flags and, and that goes for everybody. Dominicans there too. And they have these live um, bands that play salsa, merengue, bachata, um it's a beautiful thing to be in a place that like something brings us together our our culture you know they they can be different but all the while like we have all faced struggles and that's kind of what unites us and and just our love for for dancing and culture and food Yeah. yeah so currently people of hispanic and latino descent make up over 12 percent of the total lansing population according to the u.s census bureau that's crazy when was the last census done uh let's see here um i wonder what like like compared to other cities like like where we're at yeah yeah well especially compared to like Like grand rapids and right yeah yeah where they have you know these big communities which is actually why i have become so passionate about having something structured and organized and that's what we're working on. So that's why um, when I was more than happy when they reached out, I was actually very honored um, because these are people that I, um, I don't know if you know this, but Mikey Austin, he was the founder of Juneteenth festival here oh, okay. in Lansing. So he's definitely somebody wow. you're, you're going to want to talk to. Yep. Yeah. I'll have to take his name. Yep. Uh, I don't know when it was. Cause I think it's done every 10 years, right? I was just curious when the last yeah. one was done. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't Maybe. say. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, while you see if you can look that up. 2020, um, I believe. 2020. Yeah, so that wasn't that long ago. But, you know, it's crazy. Things change <coughs> every year. 10,308. 10,308. Yeah. I'm sure that has grown. <laughs> recently i'm sure too. it has yeah um no it, it, it's beautiful i have personally had the the time to obviously because i'm you know reaching out to people these you know reaching out to latino business owners here in the area so me being a foodie i feel like that gives me a great um <laughs> what do you call it? almost excuse to stop by at different places <laughs> and try different things here so i i am very familiar with the latino business owner population here yeah and I hear the same thing. So that that goes to my next event, and which is what I am one of the main organizers there. Me, St. Paul Benavides, and Elena Herrera, um, who actually started at a meeting that we held at Maria's Cuisine. Again, we're, we're always trying to support our community. I think it's very important to be conscious about where you're putting your hard work, you know, work money. Yeah. Um, so uh, this just was born because we're business owners, you know, at the end of the day, like I have to run my own business. There's several parts. There's things that I've had to learn on my own, but 
it would have been easier if there was like an organization, almost like a chamber of commerce or, you know, a business organization for Latinos. Um, just because y you have a sense of like belonging to something, right? right? You have um, a community. Yes. Yeah. But somewhere that it's almost like a resource, like, okay, right. you've been through this, you've already built your business, like people that you can ask, like even stuff like what kind of equipment should I have? You mm. know, for me, for my real estate business, like I didn't know that, I, you know, I could have a bookkeeper, I could hire it, like, or... I've seen that you recently like, got one. Um, yes. A bookkeeper. Yes. Book, yeah. Yep. So that's Elena Herrera. She's actually one of the organizers okay. of the Latino um, Expo that we're having on October 7th, um, which I want to invite you to if you were already planning on attending that and sure. the 517 Hispanic Heritage Festival. Those are they're going to be dope events. We have a really good lineup um, for both, actually. So I'm very excited um, that so many people were on board. And the reason that I'm so excited is because um, I think people are seeing, you know, the need for that and the, and they need they see the need also for Latinos to come together in the sense of bu business owners. I, I don't think people realize that there are so many of us. Yeah. No, I didn't realize it until honestly you posted it. Um, you said you posted something on I think it might have been the 517 and you're like looking for Hispanic uh, business owners for I think the 517 uh, Hispanic event. heritage event. Yes. And I seen the list and I'm like, wow. There's so many. There's a lot. I've yeah. never heard of most of them. <laughs> and that's only the ones that, you know, had commented. I can't imagine the people that, yeah. you know, didn't get to see the post. Um, so that is the kind of the journey that we're on. The mission is that we are, you know, in the future are going to be able to offer type the, these types of resources where there's going to be like workshops for business owners on how to hire an employee, how to retain an employee, how to uh, and do it also where because a lot of these business owners are um, native Spanish speakers. Mm, so that's another thing. Right, Language barrier right. is such a big thing yeah. um, in the community. Um, and there's just a lack of it. And yeah. what I do, I think there's, off the top of my head, probably five or less Spanish speaking like agents that I know of. Wow. So yep. that puts you like up at the top. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of become uh, that, but it, obviously because I have to put myself out there, you know, for what I do to generate right, you know, right. um, clients. But um, also I think it helped that, you know, my parents, where my mom sits and my, my parents are just known in the community as it is. Um, so I don't know. It, it's been a blessing. I, I definitely, I like to think that I'm where I am because uh, people see the good in somebody. And when they know that you're being genuine and you're helping them with them, you know, something um, you're making a difference in people. Yeah. So that, that's what I feel like. When I'm Absolutely. Doing. And that's what people want at the end of the day. They want yeah. somebody that's genuine, somebody that's real, somebody that actually cares. Yes. Not somebody who's like, like one of the most frustrating things is like when you go to buy a car and mm -hmm. somebody's like just trying to push the sale. Yeah. And yeah. instead of like actually like trying to figure out what your needs are, like yeah. what do you want? Like, and then not be pushy about it. Yes. And I'm sure it's the same way when somebody buys a house. Like yeah. they don't want somebody who's going to just be like, yeah, this, this would work for you. This would be mm -hmm. a great location and everything. Like, yeah. no, they, they need something that is close to work, something that's close to their schools, like somebody who understands their struggles. Yes. And that's important. It is. It is. Um, and, you know, it's funny because we're talking about Latino, like real estate agents and, you know, Spanish speaking agents, but also just like the lack of good options for for good real estate agents because there's hundreds that you could choose from you yeah know? but then you have to kind of show why you should work with me and for me I just the way that I make myself stand out is honestly like being engaged with the community because that's how I know what the necessities are um in in homeownership comes like so many other topics that that are like the lack of access to that knowledge like exists so for example like credit 
Um, I run into that with a lot of my clients um, <clears throat> that come from other countries. Like they didn't know that they like how to build credit here or like so the importance of it. When you come from an, another country, yeah. do your, your credit start at zero essentially? Um, it's, it's you almost have no like, credit. yeah, you don't have anything wow. really. You have to start from like nothing. So when somebody comes from another country, like let's say Mexico, yeah, they're trying to become a citizen. What is that process? Like, to become how, a citizen? Well, obviously we know what the process is to become a citizen, but like what all does that entail and how difficult is it to integrate into society? It's so difficult. Like, um, like buy, obviously buy a house yeah. and like. I mean, because you have no credit. So yeah. like, what do you, what do you do? Well, you're like, running into that. And a lot of people aren't finding that out until they're here. Right. Cause you know, you need housing, right. you need a job, even apartments. Sometimes you need credit, you need credit you to need get it. That, yeah. Or a background check. And if you're right. here, like then you really don't have any references. So that brings a whole, you know, other issues, you know? Um, yeah. Just, just housing is a big need. And I, I see that for any minorities, especially, um, but obviously, because what that's what I see on a daily basis. Um, yeah, it, it's crazy. I can't picture what my parents went through when they first came um, over to the United States. Actually, they first started in Florida uh, because they were migrant workers. So that, that's uh, my yeah. my background, you know, as far as them. And I'm proud of, you know, talking about that because I actually. What's wrong with talking about that? Um, <laughs> well, you know, because I feel like some people would be embarrassed, you know, and it's funny to say uh -huh. that out loud. But like, yeah, it, I, even though. We don't look at it like that because it's a part of your journey. Um, for me, I just I, I'm proud of that because I can I come from humble beginnings. If you were to see the the towns that my parents came from, like I know why they left. You know, right now they are one of the successful people that made it out of those of those pueblos, as we call them, towns. But but that's like the beautiful story of is. like the American dream, right? Yeah. You start off in this position where you don't have anything and you work from the bottom to the very top. Like, yeah. yes, those positions that you're in absolutely suck, but that's what kind of defines who you are as a person. And that's what yeah. makes you strive to want to be successful, especially if you have a family. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's like, I mean, literally the story of rising above, like becoming better, becoming a better yeah. person. And yeah, that's the American dream. That's what everybody strives to be. That's yeah. that's probably what every Latino, everybody, every immigrant who comes to America wants. Like yeah. they they don't mind starting. I mean, I don't say, want to say they don't mind, but they they're willing to start in that position because they hope for a better future. Yeah, they're willing to make those sacrifices. Right. Yep, and they knowingly do so. You know, some yeah. people um, end up losing their lives trying to make that happen you know because we know that that people try to cross illegally even still now yeah. um now it was probably easier back then when my parents were coming here um but even then like you have to start from like the bottom of the barrel and right. pull your way up um they like i said they started as migrant workers and then somehow at that point um the auto industry was very booming obviously this was in 19, 19 late 1980s um, and my dad happened to find a good job that wow. he could do because, you know, it's still manual labor at the end of the day. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of how they got into a position where they were able to be a little bit more stable. And then um, they ended up in Lansing um, in the Latino community. Even then they will tell you that there was, that was like almost non-existent. I like believe they just it. started seeing an influx, you know, years wow. after years, which is, which has been great because they've been able to build a sense of community within Spanish speakers, native Spanish speakers. Yeah. <clears throat> and kind of be at the center of it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like to have to come here not knowing anybody or anything, the language or anything, and then just try to build a <laughs> try to build a life. A life. That'd be so difficult. Like even just simple tasks of going to like a bank or going to a store and not having somebody understand what you're saying. Yeah. No, I, I tell my parents all the time the things as when the amount of stuff that I have to explain to my clients and it's like for me, it's so important to educate them about every single thing because it's it's going to do me more good if they understand the whole process, not me just having them trust me. Because, I mean, that's a big part of it, right? They trust me as their agent that I'm going to look out for their better interests. But also explaining, like, what this entails. Like, okay, um, for example, if you were to default on your, on your lending, even though I'm not the lender, but I need to be able to explain that to them. Like, okay, you, this is a big commitment. Like, you right. know. It, it's probably going to be for the 30 years. You know, I would say so with the Latino community, they, they like to look at it in that sense. Like I'm going to be here for 30 years, mm. you know, um, it, and that's how important and a big step, you know, owning, owning a piece of property is here. Like that, that's most people's wealth. Right. That's yeah. where their equity is. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is most people's wealth. Yeah. Yep. So, and obviously me being able to educate them, like when we're looking at houses, like, Hey, what, what can we do here? Like, you know, that's going to add value. So, Maybe five years from now, your your life is going to look a little bit different. Um, you might outgrow your home, and then you want to sell it. So then, you know, putting you guys in a better position so that you guys can make money off of this. I know that you you talked about um, having this, uh, what was that uh, event called, or this uh, program for people to be able to be educated, Hispanics to be educated. But have you thought about, like, possibly doing, like, courses for, like, home ownership and, like, yeah. for the Latino community? I actually did one last year. Um that was more, I want to call it like a workshop slash seminar okay. that I did with a Spanish-speaking lender. Um, obviously, I touched base on the whole buying process, and he touched uh, over the lending process, like how to apply for a mortgage. But he also did, um, again, going back to the lack of knowledge on how to build credit, because that is such an important thing. Because coming from Mexico, and I'm talking about Mexico, because this is what I know, right, directly, um, you... <laughs> The mindset is to not owe. Like, it, it's a big thing. You don't want to owe, you know, any type of debt. And even though here you right. have to have credit, yeah. that, that's almost like you have to have some sort of debt and show that you are able to pay them, make those payments. That's how you build your credit. Um, there, no. Like, it, and even having a bank account, again, going to the issues that, that some people are scared of banks. They don't trust them. Right. Because you have to have a social security. Like, stuff <laughs> like that. So... I'm sure there's a lot of people more than, you know, than w- would like to admit that have their savings account just at home, which is a scary thing. That is scary. About. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have a fire or something, that's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's credit's a crazy thing because we refinanced a few years ago. And in order to refinance, I, I paid off a credit card, mm-hmm. had no debt. And they're like, yeah, you need to like rack up that balance a little bit. You need to put money on that credit card. Like, yeah. So I had to like, it was literally like $115 and like 13 cents. Yeah. I had to keep it at that. Yeah. Just so like it boosted my credit just a little bit. What? Yeah. So I could get a better interest rate. And these were the lenders telling you that? This, Yeah. This was the bank or yeah, the, the mortgage company. And that's counterintuitive, right? Because they, they don't usually you have to have like what less than thirty percent is what they don't want you to use more than that. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like it was so ridiculous. Like it, it, the card was paid off, but they wanted just a little bit on there to show that like I still use it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, 
it's counterproductive sometimes <laughs> i feel like some stuff doesn't make sense so when we're tr- we're up there and we're supposed to be the experts and trying to explain it <laughs> they're like wait what you know because they're just looking at us you know to have all the answers to that and i'm like i'm sorry that's not the one that's a, one of the things that i i find very confusing to try to explain to yeah from other countries where it, you just pay what you have that's why a lot of people you see that they're living within their means right yep. right yep well i mean honestly that's a better way to live yeah, you yeah. know, but we this freaking government <laughs> wants yeah. you to be in debt, and it's an it's an unfortunate thing. Yeah, so. I feel like I don't know. We I don't think we've fully figured everything out on on that sense. So <laughs> I'm hoping <laughs> that you know, as these generations progress, so we're able to do something. So, which is why I'm so excited to see the you know people our age that are getting involved with the community yeah. and what, what you're doing. This is huge. Yeah. This is healing for a lot of people being yeah. able to tell their story. Um, you know, and, and say what they're doing with their life, essentially, you know, this probably for me, and that's why I was so excited is because it's the first time I've ever been able to tell anything and like feel heard. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, this, this podcast has been uh, a platform for them to share their story for the very first time. And just yeah. like you, yeah. um, like Shamber, she came on and shared mm-hmm. her story of, uh, growing up in foster care, which yep. was awesome. But what was cool about like Shamber yeah. is, uh, she came on, shared her story, she was like, she was at the time married, like yep. had this, she had a house, like she was living this life. Like yeah. she was a personal trainer here in Lansing. Yes. Um, and then like, yeah, like, yeah. and then like a year later she's divorced and she's like mm-hmm. found somebody else. She's moved to Grand Rapids yeah. and I'm like, what is going on? And so like, I reach out to her cause you know, I, I follow her on social media and I'm like, you should come back on we should talk about this. And she came back on and shared her story of like how, like, yeah, I was there, but then like things didn't work out. And then, but now I'm even happier and like yeah. my life is better. And like, it, so like that was a cool, that was kind of a cool experience to witness. It is. It is. Um, you know, even Shamber personally, I just, she is such a strong person and she is a firm believer in, in, in you know, obviously she is, she knows who she is and where she stands with, with her faith. Um, I just look up to her because, I mean, for so many reasons, um, but her being able to tell her story, like, especially one like that, you know, yeah. what she went through. Um, me hearing that, like, in, in knowing her personally again, like, I just, she's so resilient, and I love her, and to be able to have a positive attitude after going through all of that, like, you know, it, it's it's amazing. I love it. And then, like, it's not just for the people that share their stories, it's for the people that actually do listen to them and can, like, identify, like, with mm-hmm. how they feel. Yeah. Like, somebody might listen to your story and be like, wow, like, I'm looking for a house, or I'm from, uh you know some country and i need help too mm-hmm. and so like that could inspire or, or help somebody else somebody hearing your story like affects so many other people yeah. and you don't even realize it yeah no it's like once this is done you're just like kind of forget about it but then somebody else listens to it and you're like they're like wow yeah i've had so many people reach out and like wow i really like that story or this story like really helped me or even like somebody coming on and uh helps like connect other people too mm-hmm. Like, cause they, then they start talking. Exactly. So cool. It's a conversation starter. That's the beauty of having conversations, right? Yeah. I, I, I love this though, because you're taking people from different perspectives, making different backgrounds. They, they live different lives, but you know, finding commonalities, um, and talking about important topics that, that for me, like, I feel like I'm making a difference because again, I don't know who's listening out there. And I feel like if this can help one person, like I've already done something good you right, know, in my life right. and there one i can't even quote it because i'm probably gonna mess, mess it up but <laughs> roberto clemente he says a quote that basically the gist of it is saying if i um like if i don't do something to help this world and in and, and make a difference 
than basically what was all my life worth. Mm. You know? And I feel yeah, like that that good. hits so deep because I'm like, okay, that, that that's the essence of what I'm doing. My avenue and the vehicle that I'm using to do that and make a difference is real estate. But essentially what I love is and what I'm passionate about is the fact that I feel like I'm making a difference in people's lives, you know, making it easier for them, giving them the access, you know, to feel like they're heard. A lot of these people, yeah. they've already had and, you know, gone through things where they haven't feel, felt heard before. So um, I, I like to feel like that. I'm going to be there to listen and really um, look for your needs because essentially a good real estate agent is, it should be a good listener and shouldn't, you know, go based off your, your financial needs, but making also them, making them aware of what their needs are um, or like where they are in life, you know, financially. That, that's a big thing. I think it's numbers a, is always going to be a big thing. Yeah. You know. And educating, educating is the biggest thing, yes, right? Like, a piece. because a piece. when you're a first time home buyer, like when we bought this home, we didn't know anything about the home buying process. Like this is the first time we've ever done it. So, yeah. and then, um, I, and then obviously coming from another country, not being able to speak English and not understand, you know, the best of like the process of everything. Like what? Yeah. And why do I sign all these papers? <laughs> yeah. Um, or what am I signing? Or what am I signing? Yeah. 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 Like there's a sm- lot of small print. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. Yes. <laughs> Yep. So like the whole process, you know, like the education around that is very important. And if you're willing to provide that to somebody, that's, that's extraordinary. Yeah. And then break it down. I think that that's the biggest piece. Like I said, like you could, I mean, I could give you a piece of paper right now, sign it, trust me, but right. what are you signing? You don't know. Right. Like, what are the stipulations of me signing? I'm, I'm accepting this house as, as is. Right. Which there's so much that I could dive into. There's so many rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> but the biggest piece is just educating. I think giving, you give people power when you educate them. Absolutely. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of um, people that don't want other people educated. They just want you to just do it. And then you're stuck in, now you're stuck with this house or you're stuck with this payment. You're stuck oh, with, yeah. you know, in the system. Um. Now, as far as like the Hispanic Heritage Weekend, what what can people expect during that weekend? Like, what is what what, what events will be happening? Yeah. Um, when is it? Like yeah. all those all that information. Yep. So the five one seven Hispanic Heritage Weekend is happening September twenty second to the twenty fourth. Now the twenty second, it's going to start off with that Friday is going to be like a networking mixer. Um, but we've we've kind of planned it to tie around like dancing classes because of course when you think Hispanic you think music and dancing so we're gonna have some dancing instructors from Livonia Alejandro Aburo um, he is amazing I actually met him when I was a student at MSU and I went to MSU um, like a salsa class there so they're gonna be there um, teaching probably I don't know what they're gonna teach so I'm excited to see what that is like but we're gonna have a DJ um, and it's gonna be kind of like a social almost like people meeting each other you know um, and then Saturday we have that's that's like the big day for us because that's when we're gonna close down the downtown Washington Loop and um, we're gonna have like food obviously uh, vendors how many and, vendors do you have um you know what i don't know because i'm not in charge of the list yeah um but i'm i know that it was a lot of people that were signing up was it like just a mix of different kinds of vendors like clothing so it's gonna be like resource you know people too that are there too like um i know that i I only know this and i haven't know i don't know if they're gonna be there for sure but i know that i spoke to the women resource center and they were like very interested in, in being a part of it um here in the lansing area but for sure, I know Taqueria Monarca is going to be there. I don't know if you've had their tacos. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're really good. They're close friends of mine, too. 
What is it called? Taqueria Monarca. They have like a big monarch butterfly. That's how everybody knows them. Okay, where is it located? Um, so typically they're going to be located right off of, that's going to be Grand River. Grand River and in between MLK and I forgot what the other street is on the other side. Um, but basically kind of by the airport. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. There's a Sunoco ga- uh, gas station in there right there. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, Grand River. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. yep. Anna and Mario, they actually, they own that food truck. Um, and they opened, I want to say like two years ago, but they've been very successful. Again, wow. it's beautiful seeing people that yeah. I know, like being successful at what they do. Um, so they're going to be there. Um, and then also just off the top of my head, I know that we're going to have like a Touch of Frida boutique. That's actually my mom's business going to be there. She's going to be selling her clothing. She have a storefront? No, not a storefront. We're no. working on that. We're working on that. I am trying to push her to do that again. Um, <laughs> it goes back to how do you do that, you know? Right. Yep. Right. Because so, she's done everything online and she's been pretty successful. She does it online. And, and I want to say the last two years now or last year and a half, she's been going to like vendor events um, and she's doing been, been very well. She, That's I actually awesome. joked with her because I was like, you know, I seen her, her statements and stuff like that. I'm like, mom, you're making more than I was when I was working at MSU. <laughs> <laughs> she she is <laughs> so she, she's awesome. doing very well for herself and I'm, I'm proud of her because you know she a lot of immigrants come with that mindset like i don't want to work for anybody else so mm. finding something that she loves because she loves talking about yeah. our culture that's one thing i find about immigrants is that they work it, this is could be offensive but they work harder than a lot of us Mar- americans yeah. oh sorry my watch yeah for some reason say a lot Listen. of people yeah Yeah, so my my family that came from honduras i have a my first cousin she lives in south carolina she opened up a cleaning business in south carolina like three four years ago Mm -hmm. and it's extremely successful she grinds so hard and then um her her mom i believe or no her her sister opened up a, a hispanic restaurant um I don't know if it was like Mexican food. Okay. She's Honduran. Okay. But she oh, really? opened, yeah, in Indianapolis, <laughs> and that was extremely successful. She like married this Dominican guy, and they had this re- these restaurants together like a chain. Oh wow! And then, um, what are they called? I don't remember. I think I think it might have closed down. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I've never been there. Okay, I was I was getting excited. I'm like, if I ever go there, I need to know like where I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I. Th- I don't know. My, I think my dad was like saying that it's like a mix of like Mexican and like Dominican okay. and like maybe some Honduran. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, the, and it's cool to, and then my, my other uncle who's from Honduras has a landscaping business in Florida, like mm-hmm. it's extremely successful. And yeah. it's like these people have these American dreams and they're not willing to just settle for just working for somebody. They want to strive to be better. They want to create a life for themselves and they, yeah they're extremely successful at it and some of the hardest working people that you'll ever meet yeah no i agree (laughs) obviously you know people might say that i'm biased you know because i was raised by immigrant parents but (laughs) i've I've seen what they can accomplish if you these people i'm talking about the immigrants and that's goes for anybody that comes from a different country and and makes a better life for themselves here but like they start from zero Mm -hmm. doesn't matter you know that they're jumping over all these barriers language is the biggest one because essentially when you see people coming over here like and especially people that have like degrees yeah. and they're not able to do that here. Right. You know, because just, they basically have to go back to school and, yep. you know, do everything over. It doesn't again. transfer over. Yeah. It doesn't transfer over. And then they have to, you know, start with these, you know, jobs that they don't need degrees for and they're not 
getting paid, you know, they're, they're, well, they're getting paid accordingly to, to that job. Right. Right. So I don't know. It, it's just, it's just crazy to me. So I, I think immigrants, they come with the mindset again. They, they don't want to work for anybody. That's not the end goal for them. And that's yeah. how I think. Yeah. And I yeah. think that it's also important to like note that like coming from another country and not being able to necessarily get a degree, but start a business and grind yeah. and like make it successful and just learn along the way yeah. is like something that isn't really talked about because like you, like here in America, you kind of get the, the, you have the mindset of like, you need to go to college and then maybe work for a business, get experience and then maybe open up your own business. Like you don't, you need to have the experience or like you need to like have the education in order to do something. Yeah. Whereas like you could just learn to do it. And then learn from somebody who like has the experience. Yes. And just learn along the way. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I'm excited for this expo because we're going to have, and I can tell you a lot more about that because I'm a lot more hands-on on there. I, I like yeah, to Yeah, let's say. talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So as I told you before, you know, the, the mission of this is to gather people that, you know, with the like-mindedness, they have a business. Okay. So and they might be different businesses, but there's so much that they can learn from each other. And, and there's ways that they can collaborate that they don't even know. But, like, that can better their business. You know, I was just talking with Saul, who is the owner of Taqueria Chaparrito. I don't know if you've been there mm. before. Oh, my gosh. You need to go. <laughs> you need to be a foodie. If you haven't already been a foodie, but I'm telling you, you meet so many amazing people um, and to hear their stories. Um, so he was telling me that, um, like, there there's stuff that he didn't know when he was starting his, his business. Like, he literally had no restaurant experience. And from one day to another, he was actually a general contractor. Wow. Working construction, putting up drywall and stuff like that. He actually said, which I didn't know this, um, that he helped build the Acapulco that's in Frandor. Oh, okay. Yep. So he was a part wow. of that. And at that point, he was actually try, starting to get that kind of, you know, idea. Like, I want a restaurant of my own. He's like, um, I can do this. Yeah. I can do it better. Yeah, and, he, and he was never a cook or anything yeah. like that. But, like, you don't need to do that. And that's the beauty of it. Like, you just have these minds. You know, that's what entrepreneurs are. You you, you just make it happen. You know, you hire people who are good at it. Right. You know, you pay them right. well. And then, you know, you're, you're giving jobs. That That's yeah. the beauty of what small business owners bring to the community here. And I think that's why it's so important because they contribute so much more than I think people realize. Yeah. Or that the government realizes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like how many of your big major cities like Los Angeles or um, like uh, Miami, like places like that where typical like Hispanic people migrate to mm -hmm. are like how much of that, how much of their economy is based on the Hispanic population? Probably the majority of it. Yeah, especially because I mean the population's huge over there. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, how much? I mean, we we obviously looked at the census. Who knows how accurate that is? But like, how much of our economy here in Lansing's dependent on that? Yeah, yep. Or you know? just just boil it down to like, how dependent are we on those skills? You know, for people to have those right. skills and stuff. So, for me, um, I've really seen a need for these. Um, business owners that they they and, and i'm sure you can figure out really quick that they need help with their social media um, <laughs> they don't know and one of it is because like the technology barrier they don't they don't know how to i mean it's just it's i don't know what to say it's just grown so fast um it's developed over the last few years you know out of sudden i remember teaching my parents how to text wow like that was a thing and then now like you throw a computer at them they're like okay they, they never had to use that when they were coming up in school everything was very right. old school like right um not even a, i was gonna say dry erase board they didn't have that no they had a chalkboard that's, that's how they <laughs> learned you know and they didn't have no projectors or anything like that no um but yeah it, there's a big need for for social media people that are bilingual 
Mm. That is key. Bilingual, we're seeing a big influx of, of people. And for me, when I worked at MSU, um, I worked for a department called Migrant Student Services. So uh, that department focused on helping people, specifically students, obviously, with farm working backgrounds, whether it was them or their parents working in in the fields. Um, they were able to get access and in, in the help to finish their bachelor's degree. MSU brings in migrant workers? Um, so, no, they bring in students. Oh, okay. With farm working backgrounds. Oh, okay. So, that's how they became eligible for that those programs. Oh, okay. Yep. So okay, gotcha. Yep. All right. Yep. One of the big programs, though, was camps. Uh, it was called CAMP. And it starts, uh, it's, what is it called? The acronym is, uh, is for College Assistance Migrant Program. Um, I was actually a student through there, so it's kind of full circle when I ended up being an office manager for the the big department that housed that program because it was five different programs. But the reason that I brought that up is that because they have you know these students that come in, so we have the talent, and then we're seeing you know a lot of them are bilingual. I would right. say about ninety five percent of them are bilingual because there's also you're, you're seeing students that are from like Haitian backgrounds. Um, I forgot what other nationalities we've seen there too, but. Um, the majority is obviously Mexican. Um, so, uh, we brought, we bring in that talent. Like now, how do we connect them to these small businesses? Like they can help. Cause we, you know, in, this is a whole nother thing too. Like we can teach them how to employ these people, like on a contract basis, like 1099 contracting. Like, right. I didn't know that was a thing until like a year ago. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. And learning how they can do that. So that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. So, when do you plan on making this expo uh, a thing? Um, so it's it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> yep, it's it's planned for October 7th. It's going to be 12 to 7. It's going to be at the Lansing Mall. Um, and a funny story, we actually chose the Lansing Mall. Well, I'll, I'll give credit to Zane, and if he listens to this, he's going to laugh. But um, <laughs> they have the MMA fights, you know, in, in the Lansing Mall. I, I did not know, you know that. Yeah, so do you know, like, Brown de Leon? No. Like, he puts up the... They're pretty much, it's his baby. Um, but yeah, they, they put that and they organize it, I want to say. Um, I'm what like, is, what is it? I'm sorry. No. MMA fights there. Yeah, but who is the person? Ron DeLeon. Okay, who is he? He is, so he has a lot of titles here, but I know him because he was actually one of my CATA bus drivers when I was on okay. campus at uh, MSU and he's still a bus driver. But outside of that, he is, I want to say a community leader because everybody knows him. Huh. Um, so he puts together and organizes, uh, M- MMA fights, cage fights. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So he's like the main organizer. You have to connect me with him. Yeah. Yeah. Are you into that stuff? Yeah. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> I, oh, I think, yeah. No, I th- I've always wanted to go to one of them because it, it's like pretty well organized and wow. there's a lot of people that show up. <clears throat> Where do they do it there? Um, so I don't know the full details because I've never been to one, but I know that it's inside the Lansing Mall. I know that they move okay. stuff around. Wow. I'm assuming it might be like in one of the emptier wings that doesn't okay. have a lot of people, you know, because yeah. Lansing Mall is a lot emptier than it was like growing up. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. <laughs> I remember going there like during the holidays and just be bussing. Yeah. There'd be people everywhere. And yeah. And now you walk in there like, like two days before Christmas and it's like dead. Well, there's nothing it's, there. There's nothing anymore. there. It's yeah. sad. Um, yeah, no, I've had, uh, UFC fighters on this podcast before. Really? Yeah. I've had, uh, Michael Gilmore, who's, uh, from the Lansing. Actually, he lives in Charlotte. Okay. He's, uh, he made his debut into the UFC, um, from the show, The Ultimate Fighter. Oh, I've and seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he, he was on, his wife was on. Oh, wow. Um, and then I had, uh, uh, this is pro- probably the biggest guest I've ever had on. 
Um, his name's Kevin Ross. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Okay. And uh, he's a Muay Thai fighter. Oh, nice. He's a world champion, like several time world champion Muay Thai yeah. fighter. That's and cool. uh, what's kind of cool about this, I got to meet him last year, like around this time. Yeah. And uh, uh, got to meet him and got his phone number. Like yeah. now we're friends. Like he messaged me on that's my so birthday cool. on yeah. Facebook and was like, hey man, happy birthday. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, but, yeah. but yeah, so I like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So. No, I'll, yeah, I'll have to, you're going to have to meet a lot of these. I would even push you to have some of these people on your Yeah, I would podcast. love to. Yeah. I would love Same to. Paul Benavides, I give him a lot of credit. I consider him one of my mentors because he was actually my Chicano Latino advisor when I was at Everett. And I, oh, I went okay. to Everett. Yep. So, yeah, and he was, I want to give him credit too also for kind of opening my eyes to going to college. He had this thing called Latinos to College where essentially you'd get like gather all the Latinos from all like the high schools and take them to MSU. That was, that's where I remember going and like seeing people that look like me in positions where they're like, Oh, admissions counselor mm. or, or director of migrant student services. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's a powerful thing that makes yeah. you want to work towards that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. So he's just one of the many people and even like these small business owners, like, like I said, they're fascinating what they've been through. Everybody's story is a little bit different, but the mindset of immigrant, like that, that's what it boils down to. It's just wanting better for yourself, wanting better for whatever, if you know, you have family or not, you know, yeah. you have a legacy you leave behind. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's what every immigrant wants, right? Yeah. They just want a better life. They want, um, I don't know, it's crazy because like, I think about it like, we are so entitled here in the United States, like yeah. being from here, like people that are actually don't like, don't have any heritage elsewhere. Yeah. And they're just born and raised here. Don't <laughs> like we get, we take everything for granted and including myself, you know, it's so easy to, it's so yeah. easy because we have things great here in America. Like you don't yeah. think about how, how desolate it is in other countries. Like I have siblings in Honduras that struggle. Like they can't get, you know, like they can't get food. They they struggle for food. They struggle for clothing. They struggle for all these things. Yeah. They don't have cell phones. Like they have cell phones, but it's like, you know, like you got to pay for like minutes and stuff. Like it's not like you can just get on Facebook at any point in time or look at things up on Google whenever you want. Like it's. Yeah. We're so spoiled here. Extremely spoiled. Yep. And we don't think about, we don't think about that. Yeah. And so, um, I don't remember where I was going with that point. <laughs> no, no. I love that you brought that up, though, because, um, and it's funny because I'm in an interracial marriage. My, my husband's white. And we talk about this stuff all the time because, like, I always joke with him, you know, because I don't mean any offense by it, but I'm just like, you have no culture, you know. You grew up here, you know, because he, he never really identified with anything, you know. He just did his... Um, right. Uh, what is it called? Ancestry DNA. And like 23andMe type of thing? Yeah, type, you know, he got his genetics done, essentially, and he's 23% um english so i called my english muffin but um <laughs> but it's just funny because you know uh not that there wasn't any interest but like you just grew up knowing you're, you're white and that's the just that i get from him that that's kind of his whole spiel you know but like i got the opportunity to take him and my son to mexico uh two years ago now so that was an eye-opening experience for them um because uh it's definitely it's obvious that it's like a, I want to say second world country. Um, I mean, you see like when people live poor, they're like, they, li they live poor. You, yeah, you right. see homeless here, but it's so much different there. But I see homeless with phones, smartphones here. Yeah, yeah. I know. And no. they're fat. Like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And you don't see that over there. Um, I mean, you see kids that are on the street. They should be in school, but they're selling gum. 
or helping their parents, whatever they're selling, they're, they're, they're washing windshields and stuff like that because they're trying right. to make money. Right. And I'm like, um, for, I think that was very eye opening for, for both my uh, husband, but my son as well. Cause he was eight at the time. No, he was seven. Um, so for him to see that, you know, and question that and like, see how good you have it here. Like, right. Oh man, where are you? This is why my parents came over here, you know, so we didn't see that. But I feel like we're almost sheltered from what's really going on in the world. Yeah. That's happening now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I don't know if you've seen the movie. um, uh, What's it called? Uh, The Sound of Freedom. Did you watch that? No, I want to. That's a huge eye opener, like, to what other other cultures go through. I mean, we obviously have uh, sex trafficking here in America, but... uh, Hispanic cultures are being uh, targeted down there because it's so much easier to just like swipe up children mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they like they promise these these things like, oh, well, if, you know, if you they could possibly become like, like get money for like, I don't know, like modeling and stuff. And mm. obviously that's something they need down there is money. Like people need money and people yeah. need resources. And when do you have people promising that and then they just take your children? Like it's just I don't know. It's. That's a huge eye opener to like what it's like in other countries. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That hits home um, for me. Obviously, now it is it's apparent. You know, I can speak on that behalf, that perspective. It's like, because um, I actually seen and this this happened. It was like a lady that was walking with her son. She literally thought she was. You know, he was behind her. Uh, long story short, like these people stole him, like abducted him. Was this in here in the United States? That was in Mexico. Wow. And um, uh, she, you know, they they put up pretty much like the equivalent of what an Amber Alert is here. Um, they found him like a day later, um, in a van. Um, and like the people had cut his body open. Oh my goodness. To stuff him with drugs, and like basically that's what they were sending. He's going to be like a mule. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was very sad. Like I remember crying. I got very emotional when I seen that because like I have a son. Right. um, And he was seven years old. So I, man, that's a tearjerker. Yeah. And that that was kind of my point is like the security that we have here in the United States. Obviously it varies depending on where you are in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, But like here in Lansing, like you don't typically have to worry about you have to worry about your kids, but <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have that constant threat. And I don't know what it's like in Mexico. You don't have like the cartel here, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Yeah. And, and it's not like that everywhere. I know people, <laughs> and, and you know, you see narco in Mexico now, so you're like, oh, like they're everywhere. And, and I'm sure <laughs> there are, like, I'm, sh- I'm sure there are, but um, at least in Oaxaca where I grew up, it's very, it's very safe. But like anywhere, you would take precautions, especially <clears throat> right. if you're traveling by yourself, and especially if you're a woman, if you're a woman with kids traveling, because that's that's pretty common nowadays. You know, they go with their kids and and spend you know a month there. Um, at least I that that was in my family. Um, but yeah, no, 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 it, it's a real thing, and yeah, like you said, I just think that we have it so good, and what, I don't know. If, if there's something that I can do to help somebody's life, you know, be better. Yeah. And what what I do, what I can do, you know, or or connecting people. I think that's yeah. that's a beautiful thing too. Yeah, like absolutely. Right now we're talking about other people that like, hey, you need to talk to them. Right. But like, yeah. you don't know how we can collaborate in the future. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Who knows? I might sponsor one of your events one day. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Never know. <laughs> um, so before we wrap this up, uh, being I look at you as like a community leader, like in the Hispanic community, um, because like I've I've obviously you're like involved in all these different events you're trying to like progress that community Mm -hmm. 
here in Lansing. What we've talked a little bit about like your goals and everything for the Hispanic community, but what would you like to see, like kind of in a nutshell, what would you like to see come out of all of that? What would you like to see come out of the events that you have coming up? What would you like to see that like overall as like somebody in the Hispanic community, what would you like, what would, what would you like to like, I don't know, see, like come out of it, I guess. Um, a lot. I want to say progress, right? Progress can mean so much. It it entices so many things. But for me personally, I I want to see a community that that has each other's backs. And and that's the gist of what I want to see, right? Like uh, I mentioned to you that I was sitting down, you know, with local business owners and I, and I hear that, that that there's a need, but like nobody's doing anything about it. Mm. So, you know, and I know that people want to do something, but sometimes they don't know how to get involved. Um, but it's simply, you know, like organizing these types of events because people see that uh, that there's something going on, there's something positive, and people want to be a part of that too. You know, just like there's a lot of bad things that are going on in the world right now, um, I think for me it's even more important to put put up positive stuff. You know, if I can make a positive impact in somebody because that can change somebody's life. I don't know, you know, maybe maybe they feel like they haven't made a difference, you know, up to now in their life, but they, they want to be a part of the bigger, the bigger goal here. So for me, it's just seeing a united... Uh, Latino front doesn't matter you know you speak Spanish or not but you know we have a commonality that whether you're first generation third generation like our ancestors you know we all had a different struggle you know that yeah it goes way back right but but yeah essentially that's what I want to see I want to see a community that it has each other's back like if you know we have an event that's going on like they're also you know helping share you know spread the word out too because we want to see everybody together because um um, I just, there's strength in numbers and there's strength in unity. And, um, I don't think one person can make, you know, can do a lot, but if there's a lot of people, you know, that are working towards one common goal, um, I think we, we can move mountains. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else before we wrap it up? Um, no, we just would love to see everybody at the 517 Hispanic Heritage Weekend. Again, that's, uh, September 22nd to the 24th. Big day is going to be the 23rd, downtown, um, downtown Lansing. And then the Latino Business Expo in October sounds. So I hope to see you there. Yeah. 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 And uh, the links for all of that will be in the show notes. So. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.